Welcome to Conversations With. My name is Shaley Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. Sharing our stories will educate others, bring more understanding, shed more light and smash more stigma. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone and welcome back to This is Bipolar. I'm Shaley Hugendorn. I'm a mom, a wife, a teacher, an event planner, and a fierce mental health advocate. And I am really, really excited today because I have Rudy Caceres here and he is going to tell a story and I have seen him online and um, co-host Julie has done interviews with him and such but I don't know his whole story and so I'm really really excited. Thank you so much for being here Rudy. I would love to hear you tell us who is Rudy? My pleasure. I'm so used to asking that question on the other side that I <laughs> I, I sometimes forget like, oh, I have a story too. I'm someone. <laughs> you <laughs> are. So, hey everyone, my name is Rudy Caceres. Um, I'm an award-winning mental health advocate. I'll, I'll never let that go. I was the mm -hmm. NAMI California Outstanding Peer of the Year 2017. <laughs> Bravo. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a live streamer, both um, doing my own thing, but also for the Mighty, for other organizations. Um, I'm also um, doing some virtual events with This Is My Brave coming up, so I'm excited about that. Um, I wear many hats. I occasionally write for The Mighty as well, and I think that's it. I once hosted a podcast that didn't go anywhere, so that's awesome. <laughs> it's so it's so fun to talk to someone else that that speaks so much and and someone that that I've um, you know that I've watched online. So I'm really really glad to meet you and so excited for our community to to hear more of your story. I'd love to kind of start from the the very beginning. I'm just wondering, like, at what age? Did you become aware that maybe there was some mental health issues or maybe you didn't, maybe you just felt different? I'd love to hear about that. Well, I've always struggled since the beginning of my life, since I can very, since I can remember the very, very early days of my life, probably like three or four. And I've always dealt with depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. bullying, um, body image issues, self-image issues, self-worth. And so for me, it's just a big mess. My childhood traumatic, um, just growing up in the house and all that stuff, moving around, um, different parental figures, different um, mentors that would leave me after a while and just feeling always abandoned and lonely that I kind of just learned to just only trust myself and just kind of do my own thing and be inward. And it took me a while to really come out and and be outgoing and try to make friends and actually like be a human being and so uh, theater really helped save that and made me who i am today in a lot of ways really i use those skills for public speaking for broadcasting all those other cool things um but really set me off is when i joined the army in 2009 when oh, i was wow. 21 and i had a mental breakdown amidst of all that um, catatonic, ended up in the psych ward for seven days, um, got out, was discharged. It was a, it was honorable discharge, but still it was, mm -hmm. I saw it as a major failure. I was suicidal mm. for a while, wanted to end it all. And it wasn't until, um, I got involved with a organization called active minds at my college that mm -hmm. I was going to, that really helped turn my life around. Um, it was there where I actually found out I was bipolar because I had a my first real manic episode. Um, in the middle of all of that, I was doing really well. I was president of the club. I was mm -hmm. uh, getting involved in student government. I was getting outdoors more. And but I was manic. I was just a real jerk too. Mm, I and hear you. <laughs> I had a really good therapist at the time who was also the advisor for the Active Minds Club and. I was I was really lucky to have her because I've had some really terrible therapists in the past and she really got me. We clicked from day one. It still took her a while to to bring um, to get me to really start talking about my mental health and really start tackling 
the issues that I've repressed for so long. Yeah. But I did, um, and I got through that, and I had a couple other psych hospital stays as well, and breakdowns and catatonic mm -hmm. episodes. Yeah. But I started getting involved in public speaking, and that was fun, and started traveling in the country and sharing my story, and then doing live streaming and all kinds of other fun stuff. So it's been a wild ride <laughs> throughout yes. my entire life. I feel like things are starting to kind of level out. I'm, I'm getting older and I can just kind of just uh, be content with myself. I'm married now, got a dog and living um, pretty well now. And I don't have to worry too much about like my life completely crumbling anymore. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you have an amazing support system. I'd love to go back just for, we have a lot of listeners um, like us that have uh, live with bipolar disorder as well. But also we have a lot of listeners that are trying to understand maybe a loved one or maybe just trying to, to understand, um, you know, the people around them. And so I would just love to hear, would you be willing to talk a little bit more about what that um, maybe the starting the army, what that breakdown kind of looked like uh, from the outside, what it what it looked like, and maybe also like what you were actually feeling. A lot of people also don't really understand catatonia. So I'd love to to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, like I the army lifestyle was never meant for me, but I could mm -hmm. not find not find work i tried um, finding work as an actor just mm -hmm. tried working at a radio shack all kinds of other stuff and i knew i needed to do something major in mm -hmm. my life or i was just gonna keep sliding downhill and for me the army was like instant getaway i didn't go from just like laying around all day at my families and not making anything for myself mm -hmm. to being like a superhero. And so I joined basic training, went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. It was very tough mentally, physically, just, I felt like a failure every day, whether it's uh, working the radio to throwing grenades, shooting the rifles, um, repelling. It was just, all, it was a lot. And I got bullied there too. Um, I had a couple of friends and that helped me get through and one of the things that also helped me get through was that I was going into military intelligence. So after I graduated basic training, I went to military intelligence school and my, my drill sergeant, he told me like, cause I was having a real hard time. I almost quit. Mm -hmm. He said like, once you get to military intelligence, you'll do better. This isn't the real army basic training and mm -hmm. just don't look back. And I believed him because it was more of an academic setting and mm -hmm. I would do better in that. And I didn't, <laughs> I started, it started off like easy enough, but it just kept getting harder and harder and kept getting overwhelming. Um, and I, I was actually, um, I was seeing someone at the time back, back home and I finally got to see her for four July weekend and that was great. And then the week after that, like things really started to slide downhill and it got to the point where I was just like about to have a mental breakdown. I was just mm. trying to talk to anyone um, even the, um, the chaplain, and I wasn't able to see him in time before I had my first catatonic episode. I went into, I remember after a day of training, I went into the dining facility for dinner mm. and I found the first person that I could talk to and told them that I don't want to be here anymore, that I want to kill myself. Yeah. And then I went catatonic, completely froze, and they had to carry me out, put me on a stretcher and take me to the emergency room. And I finally was able to break out of it. Some people, they stay in catatonic episodes for days or weeks and they have to yeah. be force fed and be monitored or else they just like choke on their own saliva. And wow. it's a really terrible experience because you can hear everything around you, at least I could, and see everything. Mm. But, and I want to move, I want to talk. Yeah, I don't want to end up in the hospital and I can't, just frozen. And it's, uh, it's one of those things where most people, they have a fight or flight response to things that are very stressful or dangerous. Mm. And I couldn't, I couldn't flee the army. I would have been right. AWOL and, um, and I couldn't fight anymore. So I froze. Wow. Wow. That's so, that's so like fascinating and, and terrible. I'm sorry that happened. Um, how was it like in, um, what was the stigma like in the army? Cause how long ago, how long ago was that? This was back um, in 2009, I was 21 yeah. and, and yeah, I mean, there's, 
still a lot of homophobia this was still um mm. don't ask don't tell mm. so i mean not that i'm gay but like just like male weakness you're just yeah. considered gay and anything that like if you're having struggling with mental health you're you're still weak and getting made mm. fun of by everyone and so it was mm -hmm. very bad and i also knew that if i was diagnosed with a mental illness in the army that would be the end and oh, i didn't wow. want that to happen and I did. I was actually diagnosed with schizophrenia because of the um, catatonic episodes. It wasn't until 2014 where I find 2015 where I finally got the diagnosis of bipolar. Wow. Yeah. So do you think before, like before you were talking about like to, going towards a, a mental breakdown, do you think or do doctors think, do they think it was a manic episode or a depressive episode or was it mixed? Do you do you ever think about that or, or analyze that? Yeah, well, I, I wasn't seeing a doctor at the time where I was mm. manic. And so it wasn't until I already had the crash mm. where I came crawling back to my psychiatrist mm. and she actually didn't believe me at first because she didn't see that part of me. Right. So, I mean, that's that's common with a lot of people who are bipolar. Um, we don't take our meds. We don't see the doctor. We think we have superpowers. I thought I thought I was cured because I never felt better in my life. I felt like I finally broke free from that that stranglehold that depression had on me and could finally mm. live life on my own terms. I'm confident. Uh, I'm not going to take anything from anyone. And I'm going to like make sure that I'm get the respect that I deserve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really powerful what you're saying, because it is a lot of people I find there's like, Oh, why would someone go off their meds? It's like, you don't understand how good we feel right? Our brain is telling us we can do no wrong or, or every time that I experience, I have bipolar too. So I experience hypomania. And every time I, you know, I start to think, oh, you know, that was the last depressive episode. And I know, cause I've written myself notes and I have a support team and such that not to go off my meds, but I can completely relate to people that either do or are tempted to do. And I really hope that um, people understand that and it's not just we're flippant like oh you know here and there it's it, it really does feel like like you're you're amazing um so after and that makes me really sad too that that you get kicked out right so there's people probably really really suffering in the army even though they have a lot to offer that won't won't go for help I know I've talked to someone before that was a trucker and he, he, his life is like not okay, but he won't get help because he's afraid they'll take away his license. And I'm like, no, fight that stigma. <laughs> so I'm, I think it's really amazing that you, you know, that you went, that you went for help. Unfortunately, you had to go, you know, get into that state, but wow. So after that, you had your discharge. Did you say that you, that's when you were in school? Um, it, it was, it was a lot of, of wandering through the wild for quite, okay, <laughs> quite some okay. time. Yeah. Like I, I actually wanted to go back into the army yeah. and kind of redeem myself. Um, I was just trying to still stay, stay in shape. I was of course in the best shape of my life. Yeah. I just, just wanted to like not get into that funk again. Mm. And day by day, week by week, I just slowly crept back into that. Yeah. And it was it was very hard to get out of it. I tried doing acting again. It was unreliable, dropping out of plays. Yeah. I actually had a catatonic episode during a rehearsal once and had to oh. be stretched out in front of all my castmates. Oh. And I was um, trying to go to school and failing all my classes. It wasn't until 2014 where I just had to leave class one day and go to uh, the counseling center and say, mm -hmm. like, I need to talk to a therapist. And thankfully, yeah. I was able to talk to that therapist that I talked about earlier that same day. Wow. And I was able to see her every week, which is amazing. I couldn't yeah. find that anywhere else for free too. Yeah. So it took a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had found that sooner, but once I, once I did, it was up, up, up from there with oh. setbacks high here and there, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I hope people that are hearing that feel encouraged to go and get help, even though it's, it's, it's really scary. And yeah, it's just so taking that first step just makes, 
just makes such a difference. And I was, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about, you know, the stories that are, that our brains tell us. And I think that you touched on some powerful ones that it was, it's really hard to separate what is your illness and then feeling like a personal failure. I really, I can relate when you said that I was like, Oh, I feel that when I haven't followed through on things or sometimes I'm not even sure how I got through my degree. Like it took longer, but I, yeah, it was really, really, really difficult. So thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Um, so, so when you had your first um, episode, a catatonic episode, so you were, you said you were diagnosed with schizophrenia. So then did you get treatment for that? Um, I got medication from it, but right. it, it wasn't it wasn't very helpful uh, yeah because I, I didn't want to open it up too much in the army and once i got out it, it actually took me a while to start seeing a therapist and a psychiatrist so i wasn't on any meds for a while yeah um and by then like i i wasn't having catatonic episodes anymore so mm -hmm. i was just trying to figure things out and so um i mean i don't I mean, if, if someone wants to label that for certain reasons, then fine. Um, like even now with bipolar, because I haven't had a manic episode since 2016, mm. I sometimes wonder about that. Was that just a phase of my life? And it certainly can be for some people. I know people who have had the bipolar diagnosis for years and years and years, mm. and then they get into their 40s or in 50s. And it's like, I don't even know if that was a real thing. And I'm not I'm not saying that that's me, but it makes me wonder because we we use these labels and sometimes they can be very helpful. Mm. We can find community. I, I can find you. Yeah. But I, tr I try not to not let that truly define me. I have no problem saying I'm bipolar. It's a part of me. I'm mm -hmm. not ashamed of it. I don't run away from it. It is part of me, but it's not all of me. Yes. Oh, amen. I'm like cheering. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it isn't. And, and what you said is, is so true. It's, it, you know, for people that have just got diagnosed, it's really, really hard, but it's also not all of you. And I, I don't know if you um, agree, but I felt like when I could separate it from me, like this is, this is an illness and I have it, but it is not me. I was able to, you know, start going, be more open to a healing journey and, and getting the help because uh, I just thought like it was a character flaw before. And I feel you too, because sometimes I feel like a little bit of an imposter because luckily my meds have worked so well. I used to experience like a depression every year, like half the year. It was like, mine was clockwork. And um, I haven't had a major depression in 12 years. So then I start to think like, am I really? Or, or those kind of things. But um, yeah, my, my meds saved my life. So I'm, I'm sticking to it right now. But it does, it does feel weird because a lot of what's shown on TV or other things just shows us up, up, up or down, down all the time. And there are, there are lots of times where we're stable and just living like everybody else. Yeah. So then did your therapist that you love that helped you um, in school did was did you say it was she it was a woman? Yes. Yeah. Did she then diagnose you with bipolar disorder? No, um, I mean, she was actually an intern um, getting her PsyD. Um, so she didn't she'd not diagnose me. But but uh, my psychiatrist did. Um, I was getting healthcare through Los Angeles County actually at the time, and because I wasn't um, getting, I didn't get approved for my V disability until late 2015, which was mm -hmm. a blessing. I went from being a complete mess, almost ending up homeless, to like actually because I got my all my back pay. Like I was able to buy a new car and live on my own for the first time. So wow. that was a godsend. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really hard. I, I live in Canada, so I don't fully understand um, the system in, in the US. I know here, it's free, which seems totally awesome, except for you can be uh, borderline suicidal. And it's like, oh, you can have an appointment in five months. <laughs> so there's that hurdle. But I know in the States, the expenses are, are astronomical. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't explain healthcare in America if I tried. 
Yeah, right. It's it's so wild. There's so so many gaps. It's it's really really frustrating. Um, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to talk about because I know there are um, some people that desperately need to to go to the hospital or the psych ward, and I know there's you know both terrible experiences and then it has saved people's lives. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to talk about your experiences or what you remember from that. Yeah, well, I was definitely in the horrible experiences camp Shucks. Um, oh. be because it was it was against my will. I mean, I was mm. I was put in restraints. Um, I even had mm. a catheter put in me and it was a very traumatic experience and I didn't get help there. The only way I was able to get out was by being the, the good patient and um, going to the group therapy and sharing. And I was only able to talk one on one with a psychiatrist, with a therapist um, like once for just like 10 really? minutes it yeah. was not helpful at all and sadly that is the case for a, a lot of people and we hear we hear about the good experiences um but then we don't always take the bad experiences as seriously mm. because yeah we want to say it's important to get help and that hospitals are good and psychiatry yeah. is good but it definitely does do a lot of harm definitely yeah. does a lot of traumatic experiences and it can make things worse. Like people actually end up even more suicidal after a psych ward stay. And it's, 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 it's a broken system. And yes. can there be a, could there be a better system? Of course, mm -hmm. but it needs to be centered more about personal decision-making. I know some people are going to be like, oh, what if the person doesn't even know if they're sick? The, the person at least knows <laughs> that there's something different. Right. And, Oftentimes we, we get scared by people who are in these states and we just hand them off to the police or to the psych wards. Yeah. And we don't try to sit down with them. We don't try to ask them like, what do you actually need? What is, mm. what is the, the, the traumatizing thing behind this? Um, what happened as opposed to what's wrong or like, I'm just gonna like call the police cause you're acting erratic. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not enough decision-making by the person. Um, yeah. Oftentimes it could be as simple as, do you want to sit down or do you want to, me to sit down with you or do you want to stand up? Just simple things like that where a person feels like someone is actually trying yeah. to see them and help them and, um, and have them <laughs> give them some kind of personal agency instead of just wanting to lock them up. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, really terrible that sometimes uh, yeah that reaching out would be just as scary as as what you're experiencing because you don't know and you're right like with the police if there's not trauma-informed care or if there's not like courses on mental health of course you get treated you know according to stigma as dangerous as violent and I mean of course there are situations like that but generally most of us are not we're just struggling we're not we're not like that and I I, I love what you said there it's um to see the human first right? right and I think that that saves lives right and I know that um with it being suicide prevention month, a lot of people are like, well, what can we do? What can we do? You know, what's the magic thing to say? And like you just said, sitting with someone, talking to them, and even if they don't know what they want, asking will help think and, and making it simple. I love that you said that. Do you want to sit down? You know, do you want to simple things? Can I get you water? Right? Because sometimes when you're in that state, you, you don't know what you need. You're just tr your body and your mind, you're just trying to protect yourself from all of the, the feelings. That's, um, that's really, that's really powerful. Thank you. I'm curious about, um, all the questions that we get um, on our Instagram and, and when people write in is a lot about everybody wants to know about relationship. And I'm wondering, what would you say um, your relationships look like pre-diagnosis? And then I'd love to hear like once you were on a treatment plan, how, how that changed relationships. That's a big question, I know. Maybe pick maybe a story or, or if you struggled with what you struggled with with relationships before um, and if it got easier. I know a lot of people are curious about that. Yeah, it definitely got more strained with my family. I didn't want to talk about them, talk about my diagnosis or my mental health 
at all for the longest time with my family. And now, now I'm estranged from my family after I moved out. Like I never looked back. Yeah. Um, and, um, the, definitely friendships were strained, uh, were strained because they didn't understand. Mm. And I was just a mess to begin with. I mean, part of it's me. It's not, it's not just, um, the, the people in my life that left me. Yeah. Um, romantic relationships were non-existent mm. and I just got tired of just hiding and bottling all this up. And once I started sharing, I found communities online, um, started going to conferences and all kinds of different things and started sharing my own story. And then other people started opening up to me. And so I, I built my own family. I built my own community and I'm, I'm proud of that. I really like appreciate all the people that I've come across, even if I've never even met them in person. And yeah. so even though things were strained with my previous relationships, mm -hmm. because I was more open about my mental health, I opened myself up to all these new relationships. Yeah, yeah, I love that chosen family, right? And it's a powerful thing. A lot of people say, oh, internet, social media. And yes, of course, there's damaging things about it. But I have felt the most community and the most being able to show up as my full self in a lot of those spaces. Um, and yeah, deeper relationships, right? Yes, I had relationships when, when you keep quiet because you be kind of what you think you're supposed to be. But just that deep relationship when someone can say, me too, and sharing opens it up. I couldn't believe how many other people struggled. Like I thought I was like the only bipolar person I would ever meet when I first, when I first found out, but there are a lot of us and we are awesome. <laughs> find us online. Agreed. Yes. I'll put all of Rudy's information and find us and find, find these spaces. And what I love about the internet and online things for a while, because Sometimes it's really hard to be vulnerable in a space when you also show up. Sometimes it's kind of like a, a starter, you know, to, to reach out through a message and, and such. And yeah, that was really, that's really great. And you said that a lot of people tell me um, in the beginning of their diagnosis, like, is my life over? Will I have a life? That kind of thing. And I know I'm married and you just said that um, you're married. Was that, is that recent or... Um, yeah i'm um, actually gonna celebrate my fourth wedding anniversary in just a few weeks Yay! <laughs> yeah but never thought i'd make it that far uh, with anyone and so wow. I'm, I'm i'm really blessed and and she's open about her mental health too so there's nothing to hide um, we both understand each other and uh, provide each other with support so yeah it's a it's a good combo uh, i could not have been with someone who didn't i i couldn't open up about my mental health and couldn't yeah. open about about theirs it just it just would not have worked out yeah and so and so yeah yeah as you know marriage marriage is almost like a full-time job yes. and it's you gotta hard. keep working at it and there's always a, a new journey behind, <laughs> around the river bend but yeah. um so far so good oh well congratulations that's amazing i think it just gives just sharing a little bit about that gives um people hope because relationships are hard right and i know online sometimes they look like they're really easy and awesome and nice in pictures but but it is hard but it's also it's also possible right and like you said you found someone that can see all parts of you and uh that's that's awesome i love that thanks for sharing that um i'm wondering what was it like for you when the first time you came forward um publicly with your story was that what organization was that with or um yeah how did that work yeah it started with active minds um which mm -hmm. is a which is a great organization it was it was um um started by this woman named allison melman who lost her brother uh to suicide mm -hmm. and he was it was in college and she decided to to find a silver lining in that to create a nonprofit that helped college students open up about their mental health and share resources with each other you know just like break through that stigma and it's spread nationwide not sure if they're in canada yet but they should be yeah and i'll check and then they, they had just started a chapter at my college and I, I just jumped at that because I was ready 
and I became the president and I was just horrible that first semester, <laughs> but, but I stuck at it. And that part of that was going out to classrooms and t talking about the club, but also sharing my own story. And it felt like such a, such a rush because I had that background in theater. So public speaking was just an extension of that. And I was yeah. just going to, to the nursing department. I was going to the VA and like, Hey, I want to share my story. And yeah. like, nine times out of 10, they'd be like, sure. Like how much time do you got? And so then I got involved with, with NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. And then they just started sending me everywhere. I was going to psych wards. I was going to juvenile wow. halls. I was going to high schools, junior highs. I was going to, to uh, colleges, talking to, um, to society students. I was going to um, talk to healthcare professionals. Yeah. You like it was just amazing experiences. I I did it over a hundred times, and wow. and then that um, led to um, getting work outside of that, um, working with an organization called um, Semicolon Project, and working yes. with the, working with the Mighty, um, working with another nonprofit called This Is My Brave that I still work with today and um, the American Association of Suicidology, just all these organizations that didn't really have to take a chance on me, but saw something in me and gave me those opportunities. And I took full advantage of them. And I was like, just, I was, I was the guy who would just say yes to everything. <laughs> just, you, you, want, you want me to drive like two hours away to speak for 10 minutes? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's amazing. I'm I don't know if you're an extrovert or not, but I am, and I I understand that that rush. I used to public speak about other things, um, but then when I the public speaking part plus being able to like be my authentic self and see how it really affected people, I'm just such a strong believer that yes, we have professionals so important and so important to listen to what they say, but I just feel like there's not enough stories out there of lived experience, right? Like we know a lot of things you can, you know, study it, but just lived experience. So I love that you went to all those places and I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher of littles, but even so like talking about mental health in schools is so powerful while, while people are young before we get even more baggage, right? Um, I know that uh, people like you that tell stories have really opened things up. I have teenagers and they're like, they have no, they all talk about their mental health. They, my one daughter, like, it's just like, oh yeah, I just went, tells all her friends, oh, I went to therapy. I would have never done that in high school, right? Cause right. it's just that, that added stigma. I'm curious, um, it's actually uh, harder for us to find guests that are that are male. And I'm curious about if we could talk about just that added stigma or the the stigma that maybe you have faced or what you've seen others face as as men and how we can support the men in our lives to 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 come forward a little bit more. I'm wondering if you had anything to say about that. Yeah, it's it's great for me because like people are always looking for men to talk about <laughs> mental health, and it's such a such a small pool. Yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely gotten better too. Um, awesome. And there 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 are more ways to talk about it, and there's athletes talking about it, celebrities, and so it's not as stigmatized as it used to be. There's, yeah, there's still a lot more work. Um, and there's still a lot of marginalized community where it's it's still hard to talk about it because of traditions and cultures and fear of discrimination, very real fears. And so, yeah, still a lot of work to go for men um, and plenty of other marginalized communities. Um, yes. It's really important that, um, yeah, that you brought that up because it is true. I know I know I talk a lot about therapy or this or that or or self-care in the form of, you know, not just bubble baths, like actually doing the things that are hard to feel better. And I just want to recognize like I'm a middle class white woman, right? That and I'm married to someone that has a job and insurance. And I just I know that sometimes I can imagine some people from marginalized communities listening must be like, oh, you know, great for you because you have all these access to resources. And so um, I love that you talked about 
those different organizations. Um, I know about NAMI, but the other ones in the States, and I'm, I'm going to put some, I'll, I'll put them in the show notes because it sounds like the one at the school and other ones are accessible to everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are all nationwide organizations. Awesome. Um, um, and, and this is my brave. They've, they've done some international stuff, like obviously with uh, the pandemic, it's been a blessing and a curse because um, they haven't been able to travel as much, but then they've been able to do these virtual shows where yeah. anyone in the world um, can come share their story. There's different themes, whether it be college athletes, which is our next one on September 25th, right. um, to veterans, to people from different marginalized communities, which is awesome to teens. Yeah. So something for everyone. Um, there's, there's always resources. There's always ways to get involved yeah. and, and like, um, mental health care may look like different things. Like, so some people, they feel like they can only open up to say like their friends or even yeah. their barber or their coach <laughs> or their pastor. And so it doesn't necessarily like have, you have to go to a therapist and a hospital and all that yeah. stuff. It, yeah. It's, it can just start with people in your community, um, your, your teacher, um, yeah. all, all kinds of other like people that you can reach out to. Like, um, I know, um, in Latin cultures, like, um, women, like they'll, they'll convene in laundromats or the salon wow. and they'll, 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 they'll talk about their experiences and their feelings there. Obviously they don't call it group therapy, yeah. but it achieves the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. It's so true. Just, um, there's so much power in telling your story to just one person. I mean, I could see we have similar ish personalities that not everyone's going to stand up on a stage. And that doesn't mean that you're not advocating for yourself. I think a, a, an advocate just telling one person your story is, is powerful and brave for both um, the person telling and also also the person listening. So yeah, I just find find your people, right? And sometimes it, it won't happen the first time. It's awkward and it might not, but there are people out there. So I really encourage, um, encourage people to find their people. You brought up the pandemic and I'm curious because I know I had some interesting reactions. Um, I'm wondering how did that go for you? How did how did you respond? Was it was it triggering or did you feel like I, you know, I've been through lots, of, I got this. Um, yeah, just I'd love to hear just a little bit about your experience and what it's been like over the years of COVID. Yeah, it actually took a while to really hit me. Mm. And because it's like so at first I was like, ah, oh, this like probably lasts like a couple months and we'll just hunker down for a while. I'll, I'll work on some projects that I've been meaning to get to. Yeah. But like after a while, it's like, oh my God, this thing is never going to end. Yeah. And one of the things that helped is um, I actually moved out of California to Colorado yeah. and completely new setting where like I didn't really know anyone. And so yeah. I didn't feel like I was like missing out on a lot. Interesting. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's a nice, a nice change of scenery and like living with snow and living near mountains and everything's like all the, the parks are bigger dog parks, especially. And oh. I, I miss, I miss parts of that, but I'm glad to be back in Los Angeles and yeah. being back around my people who I wasn't able to really interact with during the, the, um, the beginning and the heights of COVID. And so I feel like I'm starting to open up more and getting out there, mm -hmm. but it was definitely a strain on, cause I, I was so used to, going out, going to conferences, going to events and just like, just going, just going to places like I knowing that I'm going to see people there that I know and yeah. interact with and people that I only get to talk to online and yeah. miss traveling and miss going to, to, to speak at different places across the country. Yeah. And yeah, that was hard on me because I felt like I was losing my worth to people because I'm just stuck at home every day. And thankfully mm -hmm. doing the live streaming was was also good for me because I was able to really to devote a lot of resources to that and to work on all kinds of different projects that would would have been more difficult and like and everyone's so used to being on camera now with zoom and everything and so yeah. like it's it's easier to interview people too as you probably know yeah um, yeah it's not as much as like oh my god like what is what is zoom like what had, yeah, I, yeah. I, do i have a webcam on my laptop i don't know like how does this i can't hear work? you i can't hear you oh yeah i can you just yeah. start <laughs> yeah and so so that's been helpful but yeah definitely strain on relationships definitely 
a strain on self-worth and yeah. just trying to like trying to start again really and yeah. i'm just still like trying to to find my way in the world where like i felt so comfortable in my skin like yeah. i was going to be the best public speaker of all time and so now it's been it's been a lot of adjustments and right now like i i'm still yeah still trying to figure it out but like i i still like talking about mental health like i talk about bipolar mm -hmm. depression and suicide like for nonstop. it's definitely yeah. one of my passions still but i'm also trying to find a life outside of that so it's not consuming me yeah yeah that's yeah that's powerful i felt um similarly like my coping mechanisms like i felt like a lot were taken away right but then i also felt like i'm a catastrophic thinker like i didn't freak out in the same way that my neurotypical or um people that don't struggle with with mental health i was like oh yeah of course there could be this catastrophic thing but um but it was still it, yeah still really hard but um i love that that um, you're you're looking for different ways. In fact, Julie and I started the podcast like the month that everything shut down because we had all this hypomanic energy and we were like, we have to do a project or we're gonna not do well. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it good things came out of it, but yeah, really, yeah, really I mean, hard. Can, can we can we take a minute to just talk about how awesome Julie is? <laughs> yes, I have, yes, I have her. Can. I have both her books. I have Till the World back here, and I have got yeah. the, her um, her memoir on the other side. Yeah, so. I can see it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. She's one of my biggest champions, and I think the world of her. And yeah. now, we're, now she's living in the states. Um, yeah, just, she's a hop, skip, and a jump almost. It's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I can't wait to finally meet her in person someday because yeah. I yeah I look up to her because she is just constantly working on things and constantly excelling, and she just she just radiates positivity and we need more people like that um, a yeah. lot of anger in the world and justifiably so but yeah we need that positive energy too and um, yeah. people like julie are much needed in the world yes yes and she she's a real deal i mean i've worked with her for a couple of years um now and and i love that you said that she's really positive but she's not toxically positive no. do you know what i mean and we really balanced each other out because i tend to look at all the hard things and forget to focus on the other things. But then I also brought her back to like, okay, but admit that it's also hard, you know? So we, we worked really well together. And I don't know if you know, she's actually stepped back just recently from the podcast because she is going to write another children's book. So there's that to look forward to. I'm really, I'm really, really excited for her. We'll have to yeah. make some shelf space back here. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I know as a teacher, I'm like making it and I'm a substitute. So I'm making it like my, my goal to, um, I bring it in my TOC kit, teacher on call kit. And um, I try and get all the librarians to get it because it's just, it's a really powerful, beautiful book. So that's a plug. If nobody has it, go get it. <laughs> um, just a two more things I'd love to talk about. Um, I'm not sure when this is airing, but right now we are in um, Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And I just would like to talk a little bit about, I know you talk about it a lot, um, sharing and such. I'm just wondering um, if, if you'd be willing to talk about your experience or, and what you think, um, you know, people are looking for, what can help? How do I start, um, start the conversation? Cause I found it really powerful. I think I like shoved a bunch of things down. I was like, Oh no, no, never considered it. Nope, nope, nope. And then the more I'm reading, um, I read the term recently passive suicide, I suicidal ideation. And I was like, Oh, because I always knew that I would get to hypomania. So I just wanted to go to sleep for a really long time. So I thought that didn't have anything to do with, um, you know, with suicidal thoughts or anything. But I realized now that wanting to disappear for a while is actual ideation. And, and I'm reading a lot about how it's much more common than we think because people um, think of it as one way. And I'm wondering um, if you could speak to that. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that everyone at some point in their life uh, has considered suicide. Mm. Um, not everyone obviously strongly considers it, but at least thought about it and like, hmm, mm. what if? Yeah. And 
we need to normalize talking about suicide because that's going to save lives. So many people, they, they bottle these things up and don't think they have any worth and end up taking their lives, like just without even telling anyone. And that's a tragedy and that can be prevented. I don't think all suicides can be prevented, but there's so many that are, that can be prevented because it's, it's if someone had just opened up, if someone had um, yeah. recognized the signs and offered help, offered assistance, yeah instead of passing judgment or just wanting to call the police, really sitting there with the person and yeah. trying to hear their perspective and hear their story. People need a platform. I, I, I tried to do that. Like I, what I, what I'm best at is providing platforms. It's not just about mm -hmm. me getting on camera and yeah. just, it's, it's about providing platforms for others, especially people who can't, normally talk about these things mm -hmm. because the more that we can empower people like the better off we'll all be yes. and when people are able to talk about these things freely then it just opens up a new life of possibilities for them because mm -hmm. they never because they now they don't feel alone they don't feel ostracized that nobody wants to hear their story that they have no worth to the world because i've been there like I, I, I felt like nobody cares about me. Nobody yeah. wants to hear my story and all this other stuff. And it's not necessarily about your personal story. It's about like, it's about empowering everyone to just talk about these things and not yeah. to feel like they're the only one. And the more people can open about their suicidal experiences and thoughts or attempts yeah. or their loss, to others, the more that we can all open up and yeah. we can have, we can foster a culture where this isn't a, a taboo subject. It should not yeah. be. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. I think, I'm not sure why, but I think that sometimes we think, oh, if we talk about it, it's going to make it worse, but it's actually the exact opposite. Right. And I know that it it for a lot of neurotypical people or people that don't struggle with with mental health it you know it, it seems scary and, and things like that but it takes away um the scariness and the power of suicidal ideation to talk about it so don't i, I tell people don't be afraid to flat out ask right don't be you know are you feeling this right don't be afraid to to flat out ask it's better than than not not asking at all and i think you're right it's going to open up so that we can we can all talk about it and save lives and that's that's just so important so thank you for speaking about that i know that um even being in as a mental health advocate and being in that realm of talking about things i know that um i've learned from you and other people and it's given me permission to actually kind of dig back and think about um, relate and deal with my own things that I shoved away and not realized was suicidal ideation. So I just, I thank you so much for that. Well, one of the two last questions I have for you. One, I'd love to hear of a couple, um, either strategies or practices or things that you do that help you stay healthy. And then I'm wondering what you would say today to someone that's listening and struggling and feeling and feeling no hope. So maybe I'll repeat it as two, the strategies or practices, and then maybe just a message for people that um, are listening right now that are struggling. Yeah, I and mean, for me, like I, I love getting outdoors. I love mm -hmm. hiking. I love going for long walks or even just going to drives. Thankfully, I live near the ocean. I love love water just love love looking at it <laughs> that alone helps me um i like uh like being around my dog too that helps uh I like just going out um, just taking myself out for a date even um going out to love lunch or, yeah i mean that's awesome right mm -hmm. and i i love just interacting with people and but sometimes like i, I i'm not really an extrovert i consider myself more of an introvert because i can only be oh. around people for so long before i just get exhausted yeah but when I'm when I am in extrovert mode, I love being around people. I love going on, you know, like like going to have coffee with friends and all that stuff, or going out for karaoke. That's fun too. Awesome. 
I love it. I love, I have to ask because I'm a, I'm a dog lady and my, my little poodle Max, I, I feel like is my best therapist. What's your dog's name and what kind of dog is it? Oh, her name is Anna Mae. Um, she right here. I mean, Anna Mae is hanging out. Hi. Oh, big one. <laughs> I didn't know she was going to be on camera. <laughs> Thank you, Anna Mae. Oh, I love it. It's, yeah. it's such a, a difference. I didn't know that I could be a, a, a fur parent and it, it taking care of, of something else I find, I find really powerful. So thank you for introducing me. <laughs> and before we go, I would just love to hear, what would you say to someone that's struggling right now? What words of encouragement would you have? Well, that it's okay to struggle. And we, we talk about recovery a lot and like mm -hmm. finding our purpose and everything, but it's okay to have setbacks. Uh, it's an ongoing process. Yes. Uh, we all we all like have those crashes every now and then. And it's, it's definitely, it's hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this whole mental health journey, it is not easy. It's messy. Yeah. We have our setbacks. We have our ugly moments, stuff that we end up regretting later. But we need to keep pushing forward, keep yeah. finding our community, whether it be online, in person, um, at school, and church, and sports. We have the we have the, the possibility. There's mm -hmm. possibilities out there to open up. Everyone's just looking for the platform, looking for the right people, and yeah. you can be that for someone. So yeah. go out into the world, volunteer, like find people, like mm -hmm. join online support groups, what have you. Like listen to podcasts like this. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways to get involved, to talk about your story. And just know that your story doesn't have to sound like everyone else's. Yes. That you can have, everyone has a unique story in some way. So don't feel like you have to fit a certain mold or a certain narrative. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for being here and thank you for all the work you do. I hope you know um, that you just being who you are and what you're putting out into the world is is saving lives. And I, I so appreciate you. And I loved I loved our time together. And I know our community will as well. Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, this is bipolar. Thanks again for tuning in. You can find video versions of This Is Bipolar on our YouTube channel. We also have all our previous and soon to be future episodes of the podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play. We spend most of our time on Instagram at this.is.bipolar. There is a vibrant community there where we have conversations and post different ideas and different strategies and we'd just love for you to join us there. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. If you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. This is bipolar.